hard to believe, but even I'm like puking along the way, sleeping and shifted right and left, almost, you know, uh, fell off from a cliff. And I just like those process of every minute of suffering. <laughs> I think that's probably part of, you know, going through this um, illness. You know, I could have died and going through chemotherapy and, you know, having a side effect and stuff like that. I'm sure those are really contributed to, you know, my, my training or like racing. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thanks. Man. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. This is Tim Tweetmeyer. Run a few Western states in the day. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles <laughs> per day that I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 155 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we got a really great episode. Junko is super inspiring. Phil has worked within running and ultra running for so long. He's met a lot of people and is able to share a lot of really great insights. So I think you guys will enjoy this episode. I wanted to thank Exoskin because they have this big sale going on. If you use the promo code T4 u 20 so t the number for you the number 20 any order that's over 95 dollars after the discount code will receive a free pair of toe socks and customers should add a comment how long their foot is so that's a pretty sweet deal check that out i think initially they were going to use they're going to give away some skull caps but they ran out of them so this is a popular sale for 25% off your order. Just use that promo code. The offer is good until the middle of December. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. They saw the virtual treasure hunt and they wanted to get in on it. So for one of the hunts, they offered to give away gold. And maybe you'll have to check out their website to know what products they offer. It's gold standard. So they're actually going to give some free, fairly expensive product away. Excited to include them in a future treasure hunt. If you're wondering what the heck is this virtual treasure hunt, check out patreon.com slash training for ultra. And if you're going to place an order on Hammer Nutrition, just use the promo code 252888. You'll save 15% off your first order. It might be a referral code, but check them out. Big thank you to both of them. If you haven't tried out a Kogala light, I highly recommend it. It's game-changing when you run at night. It changes a lot of how your 
brain is processing things just because it's so lit up as opposed to swinging your head around with that little dot. So anytime I run overnight or in the dark, this is just a really, really great system. Highly recommend them. Check out the show notes for all the discount codes that I have available for you. Wanted to give a quick shout out to you Patreon supporters. Brian Sands, giant supporter, really appreciate it. David, York Beach Runner, Landon, Pat, Jared, Ray, Todd, Matthew, Scott. You guys have all been huge supporters and that shout out tier. Really appreciate it. Phil, thank you for helping co-host this episode. Yeah, thank you, Rob, for having me. And I'll, I'll give you the intro here. This is someone you've been recommending I reach out to for quite some time. I've had the honor of sharing some miles with her before, and her story's unbelievable. Do you want to do do us the uh, intro here? Uh, be my pleasure. Uh, very happy to introduce a good friend and a longtime teammate of mine, Jimko Kazakawa, uh, personal trainer from Colorado Athletic Club. Um, as well as the founder of Junko Mountain Training and an ultra-red athlete. Junko? Yes. Junko, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You've done so many races. There's so many cool stories um, you know, around your running background. It's hard to pick a place to start, but I mean, when... I'll go way back because sometimes I have to do it. I mean, when did you start running? Have you always been a runner your entire life or was this a recent uh, you know, activity that you picked up? Well, um, I actually, I wasn't really athletic kid when I grew up and really bad, like PE grade, you know, when I was uh, the junior high school. So then for some point, I thought I need to do something. So then I started playing basketball for really entry level. And from that point, I was getting a little bit, you know, uh, athletic uh, little by little. Then, but I wasn't a runner at all. And I started running maybe when I was uh, 20-ish, 20 years old-ish, which is a long time ago. And I started out just to, you know, lose the weight and being just fit. And uh, But in one point of my life, somebody was running a marathon, and I thought, maybe I should try it. And then I ran a lot of road marathon, Boston Marathon, New Marathon, all kind of stuff. Then after that, I feel like cooking the idea of running more than the marathon distance. Then, um, well, someday I wanted to run this 100 miles, like, impossible in my head and who's who run who can run 100 miles so but i was like cooking idea but um you know i was put it off uh for a while then fortunately or unfortunately i was diagnosed as uh, breast cancer so and i have to hold off for a while but that you know horrible disease episode kind of got me pushed to the edge okay Life is short. Why don't you, why don't I, you know, start training for this 100 miler, you know, and Mm -hmm. life is short. You can't put it off anymore. (laughs) So that's how I started out. And my first one was that, of course, the level 100. And once you do it, you kind of hook up, you know, hooked up on this um, big challenge. 
then I couldn't stop anymore. <laughs> so there's a lot there's a lot there, and this is really unbelievable. But take us back to those first few marathons. Did you just okay. do one or two marathons, or did you like catch the bug here? Uh, tell tell me more about that aspect of uh, your yes. story. Okay. Well, at that time, uh, I was teaching a lot of, lot of group fitness classes. So I was aerobically fit that time, but I never run more than like, you know, 12 miles. And uh, then uh, one of my friends told me she's going to Boston Marathon and you have to qualify and doing some other qualified race. And I'm like, oh, what's that? Then I started, you know, feeling like, okay, I can do that. Then I go out. And then the first marathon was a Tucson marathon and then to qualify for the Boston. And my training was probably 15 mile, the longest training run on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. And then I go ahead and kill myself and then found how hard the marathon is. <laughs> so then, uh, but I qualified for the Boston marathon. And then from that point, I was doing maybe two marathon a year for maybe a couple of years. Then after that, I do two or three and three or four. And I was up to maybe a five marathon a year. And then, um, so that's how I started. Nice. That's, that's a lot. Phil, do you have questions at all? Um, I do have a few questions kind of on the, uh, since we're talking about the marathon thing, kind of question comments. Um, one thing I've always been really impressed with Junko when I, from after I first met her, I think the first feat she really accomplished that blew me away was finishing Boston on Monday, flying to Japan, and <laughs> racing Ultra Tour to Mount Fuji in the same week, um, and finishing that. And I've just always, I made the shift, and like I'd say, 2009 was the only normal road marathon that I've ran, and the following year I made the shift to more like either. My second marathon was an uphill marathon down in Tucson. And since then, I have not ran a road marathon at all. And it's like, if I run a marathon, it's going to be on dirt. And might as well run the 50K if they have that distance. But Junko consistently still does, puts a marathon or two on her calendar every year. And to be able to train for that is a difficult, totally different training and mindset than ultra training. And just she impresses me the way she does that and Junko if you want to let us know if there's any method to your madness it'd be great my training thing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah jumping you know, around a bit those scary road marathon training <laughs> blocks yeah but you know marathon is you know it depends on which marathon you train but it's almost like your time is a time you know and so it's really uh, easy for me to get, like, goals. You know, if I run a marathon for, like, 3.25, and then I'm going to try to shave off for two minutes, you know. That effort is tremendous amount to shave off two minutes from marathon. And then uh, usually that marathon, you know, it depends, like, but mostly sort of same, you know. The time is completely. Uh, you can compare this marathon to marathon. So it's part of me is to train in the ma- uh, doing the marathon is a really good training for my ultra. And mentally, you have to have mental, um, mental toughness and to keep 
running 26.2 miles with almost the edge of, you know, anaerobic. And so those mental aspects were challenging. And then, of course, the build up the endurance in, you know, aerobic, anaerobic in that threshold. And I think that really adds up to my strength for running for the ultra. That's what I understood for myself. You know, that fits to my um, training method. Is there a certain run or is it the pattern and the whole training block that gets you ready for a marathon distance? And I want to hear more about your recovery, too, because that's a quick turnaround to then fly out to Ultra Trail Mount Fuji and do (laughs) that's a hundred miler, right? Yes, hundred mile. Yes. Well, uh, luckily, I do have a good recovery. Um, You know, I can't really tell why, (laughs) but I think I'm guessing because of uh, what I do for work. You know, I'm studying all my feet all the time, and I teach class from one class to another client to, and always sort of in uh, and on go. And I think those. You know, physical um, endurance required to daily life. And then also, I think it's, you know, I eat well and, you know, I try to sleep more and all those things uh, combined together, I think, give me a good recovery. And, you know, to be honest, I don't really do, like, after the long um, training run, I don't really do those like recovery drink or something like that. I really don't do much of those. So people say, you know, I don't get massage enough. I don't, you know, drink all those energy thing and people think I'm a freak, but (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It could be a gene. I don't know. But, um, you know, I always try to uh, make my training regiment uh, fit to my body and fit to my age, fit to what I can do. I know my limit. So I think all those combinations will make myself really strong. Uh, I mean, I have a question I'll start to fill here. Tell me about what it was like going through, I mean, it sounds like you had breast cancer in 05. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, all five. First one is all five. First yeah. time. And I mean, tell me about that. And it sounds like maybe being an ultra runner helped get you through that in a, in a weird sense. Like, did having the ability to withstand pain and endurance help you through at all? Well, at that time, I haven't done an ultra yet when okay. I had a. Yeah, I've done a lot of marathon, and I was cooking that idea, but I haven't tried it. But, you know, I think all those uh, training for, you know, five marathons a year and cooking the idea what to do, you know, climbing the mountains, all those, I mean, I mean hard, um, challenging um, is pushing me to, you know, being really strong. Of course, that you know, there's a lot of emotion with the, you know being cancelled. Like, why me? You know, I thought I'm healthy, I'm fittest right now. What's going on? And so those um, things in my, you know, uh, in my head all the time. But you know, physically, I think I didn't suffer um, too much compared to some other people. You know, who 
might go through the same thing because, you know, I've been pretty fit, you know, for like doing a marathon and stuff like that. But definitely after the, you know, last cancer episode, chemotherapy and everything is done. And I really, really tried to do this first hundred mile. That was, you know, biggest challenge. And then I think all those running helped hundred <laughs> percent. Um, kind of to that point, maybe even the flip side of it. Do you feel, do you use the, the knowledge that you are a two time breast cancer survivor and that you've been through close to death or I'm not, or at least like you've, you've looked down the, stared into the abyss. Um, do you use that to help you get through the dark points during like, say, you know, ultra tour de fjord Patagonia or like when you're really, really just want to just stop running. Do you, you kind of use that in your suitcase of courage to keep going? Yeah, of course. That's probably, you know, um, not the big part of that, but in, you know, in my back of my head, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm alive, <laughs> you know, and I love this pain, you know, and uh, this is good pain, right? And mm-hmm. when you're running, I, and I choose to have that pain. So I really um, enjoy that kind of sounds funny, but enjoy the pain. And, uh, you know, I love the feeling of being challenged, you know, by the distance or, or like hard train and, and or being alone in the dark and stuff like that. Yes, definitely. Um, but, you know, no matter how hard the race or the moment is, it's kind of funny. Maybe that's something to do with this, you know, come over from, you know, breast cancer. I actually enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, but hard to believe. But even I'm like puking along the way, sleeping and shifted right and left, almost, you know, uh, fell off from a cliff. And I just like those process of every minute of suffering. <laughs> I think that's probably part of, you know, going through this um, illness. You know, I could have died and going through chemotherapy and, you know, having a side effect and stuff like that. I'm sure those are really contributed to, you know, my my training or like racing. I mean, it sounds like a total paradigm shift in your outlook on life and mm-hmm. and what is hard and what is easy just totally shifted around because all of a sudden it's like you're shot out of a cannon doing 100 milers left and right. Like, And these are not the easy ones either. <laughs> not that there's <laughs> an easy 100, but still you're going after Leadville's and UTMBs and all kinds. I mean, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji is incredibly difficult. Um, I mean, tell me more about how you felt finishing your first hundred, and then what brought you back to uh, signing up for your second, third, and then sounds like you're probably going to go for your twentieth here, and I don't know, probably next year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, first one. You know, after my chemotherapy is over and I decided, okay, I'm going to really do this 100 mile. So then, but um, I was, you know, telling my friend, 
okay, I'm going to announce this to the world so I don't back myself out. <laughs> so then, um, you know, I got some help from a friend who was uh, connected to, you know, breast cancer um, survivor charity. And then I started raising the money for my run. So that's, you know, I can't back off and I have to finish. So then I have a lot of pressure to myself. I never done 100 mile. And, but, um, you know, I got to finish people giving all those money to the charity for my run. And so I really plan ahead, you know, training and then what uh, age station I need to be in this time bracket. So then my goal was to finish somewhere between 28 hours to 30 hours. So two hours buffer if something happened. So I was really nervous, and I had the tremendous, great, wonderful uh, team Junko support and group. So all the, these guys are all my Japanese friends who live here, and um, really helped me get through this whole thing. And I was right on the target. So after you finish, you feel great about it, you know. And uh, uh, I did it, and. I could not walk next day, of course, and I was limping to work. And but you know, I feel like I accomplished such a like things I don't know. I didn't know if I can do or not. But so those excitement, you know, I was able to do. And I feel like next day I need to do this next year, <laughs> and I'm gonna do better. You know, so it's just a I. I felt so good finishing the race with this great pain, you know, and uh, and I made all those friends on the trail, which is amazing, you know. The like, tr- uh, what do you call it? Trail running community is just uh, amazing, and it's a small, but it's really amazing. And you get to know people. You you meet people when when you're training, and you meet at the race, and just amazing. And so. From that point, yeah, I don't know. It's addiction. <laughs> and I'm not an elite runner. And, you know, I don't have to win a race. It's all challenge to myself. And so, you know, make all those different challenge is only for me adding a pressure, you know. So, I don't know. It's just uh, from that point, it yeah, changing my life, actually. So I, I just have one more, and then, Phil, please ask as, as much as you want. Okay. So you're someone that's finished 1,900 milers, and these are, again, very difficult ones. Did you ever feel like at the start line you had done everything you could do to be prepared? Like, do you think you're ever going to hit the start line of a 100 miler and feel prepared? Or are you the type that questions... <coughs> things going into it Junko uh, me this one's for you yeah yep. for you sorry uh can you repeat the question again yeah <laughs> yeah no no problem um so you're someone that's finished 1900 milers and these are all again really hard races in, in your training process, when you hit the start line, do you feel like you're ever actually prepared to run a 100-miler? 
Yes, at the starting point, right? Mm-hmm. I actually, um, no matter what my training was, um, you know, till the point of start line, and I do my best, and I know uh, I could do, you know, 50 miles for sure, 75 miles for sure. And after that point, I try not to have that thought in my head, like no negativities, like I cannot finish or I will not finish these things. I will not to have that thought in my head. So saying that, you know, I get just excited myself at the start line. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a whole lot of fun. But at the same time, I'm really nervous about, you know, this each point of each station and, and then passing through my time. And I told myself, okay, don't screw it up. <laughs> this is it, you know? So I am trying to be at the start line ready to go. That's a really good answer. I, honestly, like failure is never even entering your head. You're never yep. really looking backwards at your training. You're just looking at what's in front of you at that moment and getting excited for it. It's like a really yeah. good insight. Phil, what do you have? Um, well, I know Jinko ha- has had to face some disappointment of th- and circumstances that are completely out of her control. Um, I know last year she had was signed up for the Tour de Jean over in Italy, um, the Aosta Valley, and found out devastating news about her mother upon arrival by plane in Paris and had her in France and had to fly to Japan. And then this year, every race pretty much she's been signed up for, like she got into UTMB. She had some other races on to pl- prepare for that. I think you, maybe your Ray 50 yep. was on that as well. Um, and because of COVID, I mean, not just you, most of our races have been canceled and you, I mean, I know it's you personally, and I know I've seen it kind of affect your mental outlook on things. And I, and I hope you are doing well with it, but how does someone who is kind of just personally driven by these challenges and then all of a sudden the challenge isn't the the race anymore, it's the challenge is like, well, how do you define yourself and how do you get through and motivate yourself when these artificial challenges you've created for yourself are gone and now there's a really real challenge of, you know, getting through a pandemic in, in one piece? I mean, how, how do you adjust and go forward? Yeah, this has been rough uh, year and a half since that Tour de Jan, you know, after I finished my Level 100 and then I was ready for Tour de Jan, but, you know, unfortunately my mom um, was in critical condition and I had to fly. So I basically flew whole entire one, <laughs> one whole earth <laughs> to get there and you know, my mother unfortunately passed away. Since then, yeah, my mental uh, state is sort of, I'm having a hard time. I'm still in actually in a funk and I try to get rid of it. But um, get out of this funk is not really easy. And, you know, it's plus the pan- pandemic, you know, this corona things, I have no no race lineup, no motivation, and 
you know, my work is sort of, you know, down, downsides a lot and can't see your friends and, you know, stuff like that, everything. So I'm still, to be honest, I hate to say this, but I'm still in a little funk. And, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to get out of it. So yeah. what I'm doing is I decided, okay, I need to do something challenging at the same time, but make my feel good, accomplished and something physical, right? So then I, this last, you know, whole month or so, I've been just, you know, pick up my Jeep, drive into the mountain and climbing all those new 14ers that I haven't climbed. So coming back quick, you know, day and a half trip. So um, I've been doing this last few weeks in, in, in a row, and I do sort of, sort of, you know, going by myself and meet some new people on the trail. It's surprisingly when I'm going by myself, I make some friends there, on the, you know, along the climbing. And when I come back, I feel, you know, really tired, but sense of uh, spiritually um, recharged, mm -hmm, recharged. And nice. feel good about myself, adding something to my list, you know, cross this mountain now. So I'm little by little getting back, you know, a little bit. Um, it's still not still 100% out yet. But, you know, rather than just to try to run, oh, I got to run, but I can't run. And just kind of try to forget about it, you know, forget about training because I don't have any, you know, race lineup. So I think climbing this 14ers uh, has been helped me out. That's and, great to hear. Yeah. And then also it's physical. It's, you know, straightly to my training, you know, and meeting some new people on the trail. So I think it's, I think I'm doing some, you know, making some progress, to be honest. <laughs> I, I love that answer. It's so honest and real. And I mean, my only question would be, were 14ers ever part of your training before COVID and everything? Or were you strictly like running locally just to squeeze it in, running trails, you know, without those giant climbs? Right. Well, uh, before I started to doing uh, trail running, and I, you know, started climbing the 14ers a long time ago when I was even, you know, student, and uh, here and there, and so for, you know, since I've been in Colorado, uh, little by little, I'm I've been climbing, and uh, but when I started to running ultra, of course that uh, you know Leadville have awesome mountain there, easy to actually run up and you know you don't need to uh, have helmets on stuff like that. So I go lot of repeat Mount Albert, Mount Massive, you know, run there. But I really have not been putting uh, effort mm -hmm. to drive out there in, in Silverton, Urek, you know, Lake City doing the new uh, things since um, for quite a while. So, you know, in kind of like, in a way, this was a perfect situation. My weekend is open. You know, I don't have a race. I don't have a long run. And so I just drive out there and climb the new peak. But um, I always have a passion of climbing the peak. So I have climbed the Kimanjaro. And I climbed the Mount Rainier before even I started to ultra running. So, you know, this is kind of mountain climbing is part of me I love to do. And I have some uh, 
you know, goals to climb uh, until, you know, end of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the big peaks that I wanted to, I started making a list of it. And, uh, you know, last UTMB um, I did was, I finished once, but the second time, unfortunately, my first ever DNF. And, you know, I got sick. But after that, I climbed that Mont Blanc and I feel, you know, totally good about it. And so it's part of me running an ultra running and then climbing the high peak is a two of the big things in my life. Yes. I think those 14ers are perfect training for tour and for UTMB, honestly. Definitely. Like, there's so little actual running involved in both yeah. of those. They're just straight up, straight down type. Races. What also seems <laughs> the grades on the 14ers here in Colorado, the trails are graded. I mean, like the percent of elevation gain is a little bit more akin to what you find in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, definitely 14ers in Colorado and then French Alps is totally different feeling of it. You know, when you're climbing, it's just a totally different mountain. And, but 14er here is a high, you know, uh, really high, uh, 14,000 above. And, and it's just a, you know, it depends what kind of 14ers you do. Some of them are like really runnable here. And, but the French Alps is not, not really. <laughs> not for us <laughs> mortals. Just, yeah. It's like <laughs> impossible to run up. Even a downhill, I love downhill running. You know, luckily I'm pretty old, but my knee is really great. And then so run down on you know UTMB and first hill I run down, just trust my quad. So you know it's totally different mountains. Yeah, definitely. You're you can crush downhill. I remember at Quad Rock running. Right. We we I ran together you. for maybe a mile or two. <laughs> yes. I think you left me in the dust back there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Phil, are you used to that too? Do you do you guys uh, get out for group runs at Berkeley? Um, I have not ran with Junko. Oh, okay, uh, it's been a minute. I mean, I've definitely ran with her before, um, and I feel like I think I mean I'm not I'm getting close. I'm mean, around her age as well, so I feel fortunate that i'm able to keep up with her on the, on the downhills as well as the uphills i think we we match pretty well i just don't quite run as much as her <laughs> or as many like like earlier when you said like uh asking about the the 19 or talking about the 19 100 mile finishers like that's definitely your question junko i've got two finishes so um <laughs> How are you going to wear all those belt buckles at one time anyway? Oh, my God. <laughs> a lot of them are the big ones, too, probably. So makes it even harder. Um, Junko, any plans? I mean, I know Tour de Jean is you know, uh, still on your wish list. Any other, like, 200-mile plans? I know Rob's a fan of those, that yeah. distance. Yes, of course. Um, you know, this year, before everything happened... Uh, you know, the registration study, and I was actually looking at more of 200. And I don't keep, you know, looking at it, looking at it, it's still open, it's still open, and then it was full, <laughs> waiting too long. So, more of 200 is something that I'm interested to do. So, when I, you know, actually um, 
you know, plan to do. I need to talk Rob about, you know, training <laughs> and, and all kind of good stuff. But yeah, I love to do um, more of 200. You know, that's for sure in my plate. And for this year, of course, I have to go back there and do that. And uh, both are 240 then, miles. Slight, <laughs> slightly different course profile. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, why it's more of 200? It's it's just say more of 240. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to do that one. You know, before I get too old, getting it. So, which which are your hundreds that you finished or your favorite? Well, you keep going back to Leadville. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like you did Bighorn and Wasatch, like all like the awesome, you did Western States, UTMB, like, do you have one or two favorites within the hundreds that you finished? Uh, it's really hard to say, but, you know, definitely UTMB is such amazing, you know, race. Um, one I was almost seeing at the end of, you know, the finishing line, I started crying, talking to myself, you know. So it was pretty emotional and just amazing. And, uh, um, of course, the lead bill is something, you know, isn't always there. Uh, How many Leadville finishes do you have? I have finished seven so far. Wow. Yeah, so I have three more to go for thousand buckles <laughs> nice. so yeah my plan is to do next three years in a row then my 60th oh i said my age sorry <laughs> 60th year will be a thousand buckle and maybe let me to finish so that's i i'm cooking idea and but anyway uh oh another one that i love is the it was such a different kind of race and then different kind of toughness involved was the Patagonia, you know, Ultra Fjord. And that's another one I unforgettable. That's unbelievable. Um, nice. Phil, which which two hundreds have you finished? Uh, I've just done Leadville twice and I've also DNF'd it once. So um Not and now I'm actually lately kind of in the mind in the last two years i'm in the, more in the mindset of just really liking mountainous 100ks um yeah having finished never summer and then the uh grand trail cormier last summer over in cormier italy yeah it's as big of an effort as like a you know say more of a Leadville type of 100 miler. My Grand Trail for my airtime kind of sandwiches sandwiches right in between my two Leadville finishes as far as actual time. Um, but just being just I I really like climbing and descending. Actual running, not so much anymore. Yeah, well, I mean that's what it's all about is finding what you love and and doing more of that. I mean Never Summer 100K, I. I find it difficult to describe. I mean, I even wrote a whole chapter about it, and it's still like, <laughs> I don't think people really get what's out there. Um, yeah. Both of you guys have finished it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Phil, how would you describe that race? Because some of the climbs there are just, they're even steeper than, I don't know, UTMB-type climbs. Yeah, it's, I mean... Is it the diamond? Is that the first like yeah, North major diamond. major climb? I mean, yeah. like the other, and then you're climbing a bit before that, and just these 
beautiful cirques and just, um, you know, the corner of the Rockies that a lot of people don't even see. And, and then you get to like yeah. aid station before you head up and you're like, Oh, this, you know, you, you've studied the course profile and you're like, all right, it's a four and a half, five mile long climb. How bad can that be? You know? <laughs> and you're, and especially you're starting off kind of a, a logging road or Jeep road or something. And then, slowly you're getting up near tree line and then right when you get to tree line and i think there's a trail that keeps going around but you just the pin flags just go straight up the fall line and you can't actually see the top because of the curvature of the mountain and you just you you know you just put your head down and do work and then you get up there and just amazing views which i'm probably going to sign up for it next year and it's going to be sad to see how much burn scars there are up there after the cameron fire but yeah um and I've actually I've done it, done that climb twice. Finished the race once. The first year I did it, uh, went into the race with a really bad knee, where I was like, probably shouldn't even race today. And then, well, I'll just line up and go until I can't go anymore. And it turns out I found that pretty quickly after not being able to descend without collapsing on my knee. That um, that is a tough mountain race. And hats off to our runners for putting on a real mountain race. Nick's, Over here. Nick's a sick man. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> One of the best RDs in the business, honestly. Nice guy. Yep. Yep. Junko, how how was Never Summer for you? Did it compare oh to the the big ones to you? Mm-hmm. Well, that Never Summer hundred is you know all the hundred hundred k hundred k. It's one of my favorites. It's uh, first of all, I never been to that uh, area of the mountain, and it's such a remote place, and you know, um, just a beautiful, beautiful mountain. And um, yeah, that straight up on the hill that Phil was talking about. When I saw that as I go along, and I was like, "Kidding me? Are we going up this?" And and then I started laughing. And because I never thought this is going to be how we go up, you know, and stuff like that just, you know, surprised me. Then when you get to the top and there's like a people playing a instrument and playing some music and I'm like, <laughs> am I just dreaming something, you know? It's like mile and 17, I'm that, already hallucinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And then a really nice middle, you know, you just go on a ridge, way, ridge just really great, just going down on the ridge. You can see all those, you know, beautiful, beautiful. And then when I pick up my uh, pacer and good friend, and so we're looking at the time. You know, it was actually, I was expecting like 21 hour finish, but then I was like 18 and a half, I don't know. Yeah, something. It's very good. Like that. And as I look at the watch, I'm like, okay, we can finish today, not tomorrow. You know? <laughs> so finish by midnight. So my pacer, my good friend here was like pushing me, let's finish today. <laughs> then I, finish. I don't know how, how far it was, you know, midnight, but finished. But it was amazing, that feeling that I was puking out there. But um, I was able to, um, you know, push him through. And I thought... I like this 100-kilometer distance, <laughs> you yeah. know, just kind of right. And so, yeah, that never summer. Actually, I wanted to – I was on the waiting list this year, but, you know, 
since COVID started, I pulled myself out from that waiting list. I know the race was happened, right? I think. Uh, yeah, it did. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I didn't this year. But yeah, I wanted to do it again. That's for sure. And I love that, you know, Nick puts such a great race. I love his race. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling like the outcast here without a Leadville buckle at home. I need to... I need to try out that hundred at some point. Power line uh, you, gets me, and I you use it as a training run for one of your two hundreds. I I might I might slow down on the two hundred front. I I All really right. I like the um just like you guys are explaining. I mean, how much fun those hundred Ks are and hundred milers. I mean, I need to uh, I need to find that perfect race that kind of lights the the training fire, just like Junko's saying, feeling like kind of out of whack, not having that goal because we're so goal driven, and I need to kind of reevaluate and find one that really gets gets the ball moving here. Uh, I was going to ask both you guys because you both experienced, you know, the depths and the lows of hundred milers and hundred Ks, and then getting out of those. What advice do do both of you have for like the mental aspect of getting up that North Diamond or getting out of that low point during a race? Um, Phil, just starting with you, do you have like a mental trick to get out of those low points? Um, I mean, some of it's really cliche, like you know, pain is temporary, um, and I, you know, one of my like getting into the sport was really a love affair with Leadville 100 and all of that. And so definitely like Ken Clover's advice, like, you know, dig deep, you're tougher than you think you are. You can do more than you think you can. You know, those words, you know, as many times as us in the ultra running community have heard them, they, they do stick and they, you know, they resonate. Um, and even, you know, I, and I try to, I'm a fan of the sport. Um, you know, maybe someday I'll be like Phil Duper or something. Um, <laughs> but I hope to, you know, I listen to a lot of most of the podcasts I listen to are running podcasts. Most of the books I read about are about running, whether it's just, you know, kind of historical autobiographies or trail and ultra running. Um, but I try to, you know, you know, lately I've listened to a few podcasts with Courtney DeWalter and just, you know, how it's it is just a lot of problem solving and i mean ultra running presents a unique thing in that we we choose to do this to ourselves and the outcome can be amazing like there's nothing quite like getting to go spend time out on the trails with friends and strangers and then persevere through hard times and be able to finish um and having that you know as cliche as it sounds you know, utilizing some of those words that race directors like Ken Clover have used for years. Um, you know, you're better than you think you are. You can do more than you think you can. Um, kind of, they resonate for a reason. Um, but however, there's times where you can't problem solve your way out of a situation. Um, so like as Junko found out at her second UTMB and her only DNF, um, sometimes you, you do find where the limits are. Um, I found that, that out a couple of years ago at Leadville, which was my third attempt. And I was hoping to, for it to be my third finish. 
that you know a couple days before something completely out of my control i was stung by a yellow jacket and developed an allergic reaction that the night before the race and my ankle swelled up so i got benadryl to try to problem solve and didn't panic about it started the race maybe a little more conservatively than normal but knew that by by the time i got out to may queen that it wasn't going to be my day <laughs> by the time i got to outward bound like i've got my friend and took a photo and enlarged it for me i pretty much look like death warmed over in every race photo i look just physically ill i made it to twin lakes with a half hour before the cutoff um my friends and crew got ken clover over to even like get me out of my chair because i was i mean i was having a pity party and rightfully so like i had that was my one goal race of the year i hadn't been able to do leadville for quite a few years um they at least got me to attempt to get up to up and over hope pass um i missed the cutoff at the top there but you know i found out a lot about myself and then also funny enough two weeks later uh, Italian uh, Killian Jornet has the same thing happen right before UTMB. Yeah. Granted, he was, I think, still in the top five when he pulled out, but <laughs> it happens, you know? Um, and some, and I even shared the story with him a month or so later during an outdoor retailer. And I thought he was going to just like light up when he, when I told him that I had the same thing happen. It's like, oh, it's ultra running. It, it happens. And, you know, as simple as that is, like, I mean, Killian doesn't harp, oh, like, oh, no, I can't believe that happened to me. You know, it's like there's other races. Life goes on. You know, the sun comes up every morning, goes down at night. The world continues without us. Yeah. Um, and, like, as they say, the mountain doesn't care whether we get up and over it or not. It's not us conquering the mountain. Interesting. And Junko, are you are you of the same yeah. mind frame on on getting through those low points? And I want to hear about any yeah, kind of um, mental tricks you've picked up over the years. Right. Uh, first of all, you know, every race I try to make the time split for uh, per a station, and then uh, like you know, I give myself like buffer over hour, you know, or something like that to you know make sure I. I get in in this a station by on time. So those are really works good on a low point because if I'm getting like a slowdown or some problem and, and then that's, you know, instead of thinking about finishing on time, you, you go to the a station by this time, you know, for sure. And so you can push. I have another five out to get to this point by, you know, a certain time rather than a big picture, you know? And then if you look at the big picture, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. You know, I don't want to do that. So I make a little small goal. So that's one uh, way to get, you know, low points um, uh, out of it. And then another one is uh, my low points most of the time is either throwing up or getting sleepy. And so, you know, those are, I just need to fight with it. But... Um, when I'm getting a really low point and I'm just talking to myself, okay, if I don't move myself, you know, nobody can move me. <laughs> so then I'm not going to cross the finish line. So just keep moving. 
so I talking to myself on that positive note, just keep moving, you know? And then also, um, if I'm like making myself an excuse or some negative, I'm like, what's my problem? You know, my knee's fine. I'm physically good. You know, some people is suffering from like knee pain and still finishing. What's my problem? (laughs) (laughs) It's just my weakness on my mind, you know? And just keep going, keep going. So I will try to carry the conversation of me, you know, two of me inside and try to win over, you know, for the negative me. And so, and just think about every moment of my pain is leads to the finish accomplishment. And I try to believe in myself. (laughs) So... At least I tried to. <laughs> I, I love it. And so, Phil, you spend a lot of time at Berkeley Park Running Co. You've had unbelievable runners there throughout the years. I want to hear sort of like what type of words of wisdom you've picked up from those those runners, whether it be the fastest, most elite ultra runner in the world or, you know, just a, a run of the mill middle of the pack back of the packer like what what have you learned um from your time there working at the shop um well, i mean i've definitely even before i mean i've been at berkeley park for three years now and before that i was at runner's Roost for six years and so uh, it's definitely through runner's Roost was when i made a lot of these relationships and friendships um like i'm looking right now at a pair of brooks cascadia signed by scott jurek and you know, what he wrote on there was like, to Phil, keep taking the tough paths. There's magic there. And that actually really helped me. I had to make a decision three years ago to leave the runner's roost and take a chance on my friend's shop. And, you know, it's, there's still every once in a while, I left a very secure thing with benefits to where, you know, I'm helping my friend, this project that's more like an, my friend's more of not Chris Sullivan. It's more of like an entrepreneurial thing mm-hmm. and taking a chance on him. And it's not the, I was, you know, on an easier path and I'm taking the tough path and there has been magic there. Um, like a year ago, we had Chris McDougal, the author of Born to Run, do a book signing like his second day of the book tour at our shop. And we had 15 donkeys running around the lake <laughs> and it blew them away. Like, um, and that's where I really love about this sport is that you are able to toe the line on the same course on the same day as the so-called elites and these so-called elites are just down-to-earth quality people because i think this sport is just tough enough to where it not only attracts a certain quality of people but it hones that person into an even better version of themselves whether that person is the very back of the pack maybe even struggling to make cutoffs or the very, you know, front of the pack. Like, one of the first times I... I mean, the only time... I mean, the first time I ever saw Anton race was, um, I think, I want to say 2010 up at Leadville. My buddy Chris and I were up there to volunteer at May Queen overnight. And Anton was the first one into the aid station, but it was on the back of an ATV because he flamed out on top of Hagerman Pass. Hmm. And to see, like... And that was right when I was falling starting my love affair with this sport and to see this hero of mine come in like 
and be in a sleeping bag to try to get his body temperature back up and like and then you know be able to be friends with him later on down the road it's it's, it's a cool thing you know yeah yeah that's that's exactly what i was hoping to hear that's inspiring and i like that you don't see it like you know broken up into different groups of ultra runners it's just a community of ultra runners regardless of how fast you might be and then junko what if what would you say you've learned the most from has it been overcoming these these battles with cancer that you've crushed as as well as you've crushed the trails or has it been getting through a a difficult race that you didn't think you'd finish i mean i'd like to hear kind of last parting words of wisdom from you um yeah um let's try to think there's lots of thought in my head um yeah i learn a lot of things from like ultra running and it's you know matter of 30 hours of run you know and uh, for 100 mile race but in 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 this like 30 hours or 28 hours whatever i finished it's like like whole months i feel like i'm running you know <laughs> there's so much so much um like a thing more than just running you know and people people ask me what are you thinking running like 28 hours straight you know so it's it's not really like I try to think about what I'm thinking, but in the, it's all like, it's not really thinking, it's like all experience, you know? It's like a whole life. Um, so, um, doing all those like race and finishing, you know, and it's just such a, like, um, just not only, what should I say? It's not only accomplishment, but it's just like, you know, you, you're alive, basically. I love know, it. That's, yeah. If you don't do it, you don't really know <laughs> how you feel, you know. And I'm here to, you know, being personal training trainer and coach, and I try to get people experience, not even a hundred mile experience, but if people never happen, never run on the trail, even like ten mile run, try it, you know. It just change your life. <laughs> so I kind of learned. I need to send those message to some people, you know, who wants to, who, who never run this before, or people, you know, who need some goals. And I just need to pass those things to the people that I experience, you know. And I never be the athletes um, since my childhood, and you know, I almost like got F on my. You know, PE class, and I'm still doing it. You know, yeah. so yeah, I learn kind of life experience from doing this thing. And I love I get, it. I love uh, it. You're you're truly an inspiration. I I can't thank you guys enough for taking time out of your busy days to share some insights from what you guys have learned on the trail. Phil, thank you for helping co-host and and sharing yeah, some of your you. story. It was fun. And for the listeners' background, Berkeley Park Running Co., if you're in the Denver area, definitely check it out. They're always, Phil and his team are always first to volunteer a place to show a film or do a book signing and all kinds of fun stuff. And I'm I'm just very, very thankful for 
um, how welcoming you've been to me personally. And I know the local community loves you guys. So uh, where can we follow you on, on social media? Phil, I'll start with you. Um, I believe my Instagram handle is run, Phil run nice. on Instagram and um, pretty much same as on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'm a little more political on Twitter, but Instagram, mm-hmm. it's mostly running photos. I've been this summer just kind of for lack of racing and something fun to do to keep other people motivated. I've been like making various little pieces of art, most of it's biodegradable and cashing them out in on local trails, like usually at trail junctures and trail signs, things like that. Cool. Um, Very cool. Well, I, I appreciate you um, taking the time today. And then Junko, where can we follow you on social media? Sure. Um, I have a Facebook, Junko Kazakawa, and also the Instagram is Run Junko Run. It I'll copycat. Like but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once again, I'm feeling left out, guys. Um, well, run, Rob, run. Run, Rob, run. Yeah. I, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for, for taking all your time and, and can't wait to share some miles with both of you soon, hopefully. Here. Yeah. And looking forward to your n- new project with uh, Brittany Charbonneau. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know all the locals, Bill. You well, know all? <laughs> you gotta take care of my peeps. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Junko. Thank you. Happy trails, Rob. That was episode 155. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Junko and Phil for taking so much of their time. Big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Kogala. Big shout out to all you Patreon supporters and those new virtual treasure hunts. I hope you guys are enjoying those. Most importantly, guys, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have fun out there. See you next week. 